Okay, so this um, episode is going to be on congenital heart diseases and some functional murmurs at the end. So, in general, we'll start with like the general fetal blood flow. So, the foramen ovale shunts blood from the right atria to the left atria. The ductus arteriosus shunts blood to the pulmonary artery from the pulmonary artery to the aorta so why do we have both so the foramen valve really gets like one third of the blood flow across but there's still um some blood flow that still makes it out the pulmonary pulmonary artery but you don't really need it to go to the lungs in the infant so that's why there's that second area that can shift the blood to the aorta so something about these, so prostaglandins keep them patent or open. So to close the PDA, we give a prostaglandin inhibitor. So this is known. The most common one used is IV endomethacin. And the biggest side effects of this medication is apnea. So let me just repeat that. Prostaglandins keep the foramen ovale and the ductus arteriosus patent or open. In order to close this, we give a prostaglandin inhibitor, the most common one, IV endomethacin, with the most common side effect being apnea. In certain severe cyanotic diseases, we may want to keep the PDA open, and in this case, we would give a prostaglandin most common one is alprostadil um a question that i saw come up that may come up for you is what a, what chemical develops in the infant after they are born that naturally closes the pda and that's bradykinin so bradykinin is the natural thing that's produced that closes the pda after an infant's born so we'll start with atrial septal defects. This is a non-cyanotic condition, and there is an opening between the atrial septums leading to oxygenated blood from the left of the atria to go to the right. So that's kind of important. I saw questions. So it's oxygenated blood, not deoxygenated. It's oxygenated. There's two types. One is osteum sexodunum. And the second type is osseum primum. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But the osteum, it's O-S-T-I-U-M-S-E-C-U-N-D-U-M, is the most common type. So osteum sexodunum is the most common type. But they're both associated with atrioventricular valve abnormalities. One most common is the mitral valve signs and symptoms so if it's a small atrial defect it can be on asymptomatic for a very long time like we're talking into the 30s and 40s then all of a sudden they're like 33 years old and they're gonna present with like dyspnea chest pain afib in like kids they can have failure to thrive Another big concept that I kept seeing was this paradoxical embolism. So it's called paradoxical because the clot is shifting through the atria and leading to embolisms in the arteries rather than veins. Um, 
physical exam, you can see a systolic murmur heard over the pulmonic area. The big key thing here with this one that you're going to see is the wide fixed split S2. So, um, honestly, all of the questions that I got that were explaining this murmur, that it, it, it always described it as a wide fixed split S2. That does not change with respirations. So I think if you're going to remember anything about the murmur, I would remember the wide fixed split S2. And diagnosis, echo with Doppler, is the best initial test, best way to diagnose. You need to see it to diagnose it. And treatment, so if it's a small defect, less than 5 millimeters, it can be observed. And most of them close in the first year of life. If they're larger, really symptomatic, then you're going to do surgical treatment. And so a patent foramen ovale. So this is kind of that neonatal communication with the through the atria, similar to the atrial septal defect. It's signs and symptoms. It may present as a cryptogenic stroke or that paradoxical embolism. Diagnosis again, echo, treatment as a surgical PFO closure. A patent ductus arteriosus. This is a communication between the aorta and the pulmonary artery like we talked about before. Risk factors are premature inference, especially those under a thousand grams. And females actually get this more often than males. Pathophysiology is that for some reason, they have continued prostaglandin production and low arterial oxygen content kind of leads to this condition because so, that increase in oxygen con content in the blood when the baby takes its first breath in should kind of decrease that prostaglandin production. For, but for some reason, often because they're premature, this doesn't occur, so it stays patent. Signs and symptoms are poor feeding, weight loss, um, failure to thrive. Physical exam, this is the machine-like murmur, loudest at the pulmonic area, with wide pulse pressures and bounding peripheral pulses. So, just to repeat, atrial septal defect, wide flit, fixed split S2. So, wide fixed split S2, atrial septal defect, patent ductus arteriosus, your PDA, you're going to get machine-like murmur. Diagnosis is by echo, at which you will see that as a theme. For all of these congenital heart con conditions, a lot of the di diagnosis, honestly, for all of them, is an echo. Treatment, NSAIDs, or which is a prostaglandin inhibitors, IV indomethacin, so you're gonna give the you're gonna inhibit those prostaglandins, and when in doubt, if it doesn't work or it's larger, you need a surgical, and it's a surgical ligation. That was a specific question that I came upon when I was practicing: was ligation is the surgical treatment? Okay, next is coarctation of the aorta. This is a big test question. I I had so many questions on this. Um, so this is narrowing of the aorta at the distal arch or descending aorta, often associated with a bicuspid aortic valve and Turner syndrome. Um, one big thing here 
So it's the distal arch or descending aorta. I would kind of put that in your brain, distal arch, descending aorta. Another thing is it's associated with Turner syndrome. I actually had a question and the patient was a like 12 year old patient who has a history of Turner syndrome. So they might, it might not specifically ask you what condition is associated with coarctation of the aorta, aorta, but just that it, like key information in the history that the patient has turners might clue you into what condition they have signs and symptoms are hypertension the bilateral claudication bilateral claudication they might give you a patient who well the one question i saw was like patient comes in and he's sad because he can't ride his bike with his friends because his leg hurt legs hurt like every time he gets on his bike and starts riding the pain gets worse when he's not riding his bike he doesn't really have pain in his lower legs so they're going to give you kind of a history like that physical exam you're going to see the upper extremity hypertension with lower extremity hypotension and you may see diminished or delayed lower extremity pulses. Do not get that confused with pulse, pulses alterans. Or they'll give you all these different um, pulse problems. But it's diminished or delayed lower extremity pulses. And its murmur is a harsh systolic murmur. This is the important part of this whole murmur. Is that it radiates to the back or in the middle interscapular region. That's what's going to clue you in on what the condition is if they're just giving the murmur. So atrial septal defect is the wide fixed split S2. PDA is machine-like murmur. Coarctation of the aorta, it's radiating to the back or interscapular region. Diagnosis, on EKG you can see a left ventricular hypertrophy chest x-ray i did see this chest x-ray findings in quite a few questions you get the posterior rib notching or something called the figure three sign where the aorta looks like a number three so i had a few where they just gave you the chest x-ray and you kind of had to look at it and look at the aorta and see that aorta was a little um changed and give the diagnosis but posterior rib notching and figure three sign but the diagnostic that kind of confirms this disease is echocardiogram um treatment in neonates you're going to give a prostaglandin e1 so the alprostado which we talked about. So you're giving the prostaglandin to try to keep it open. You want to keep it open because um this is kind of helping with flow in the patient. And then you're going to surgically fix it between ages 2 and 4 with a balloon angioplasty. So coarctation of the aorta, you want to keep it open. Okay, tetralogy of fallow. This is important because it's cyanotic. This is the only cyanotic condition that is listed on the NCCPA blueprint for the pants. So if anywhere in the question they're telling you your patient is cyanotic, right away, tetralogy of fellow. There's no other conditions on the blueprint that is cyanotic. But we should know what it is because even though you know this is the only cyanotic one, they're still going to ask you questions about what of the four things are involved and how to treat. So how I, 
I saw this um, mnemonic, it's, I think of it, so prove it. Your patient's blue, prove it. So the prove is what is the mnemonic. So the P-R-O-V and then a little E because the little E doesn't stand for anything because there's only four things. So the P is pulmer pul pulmonary stenosis. So P for prove it, pulmonary stenosis. R is right ventricular hypertrophy. O is overriding aorta. And V is ven ventricular septal defect. So this is always a question. And they're going to try to trick you up by putting atrial septal defect on there. It is not an atrial septal defect. It's ventricular. So V, prove it. Think prove it has no A anywhere, so cannot be the atrial septal defect, ventricular. So pulmonary stenosis, right ventricular hypertrophy, overriding aorta, and ventricular septal defects. Signs and symptoms, you get the cyanosis, and remember the TET spells, the patient. So I saw it described in a few different ways. So some of the ways I saw it in like a neonate, they'll be eating and they'll get blue lips. Um, if it's a kid that's a little bit older, they'll be like running around and they'll start getting blue fingers, blue lips, they'll squat down, the cyanosis goes away. So that's kind of a big key here that cyanosis is relieved with squatting and it's kind of intermittent when the baby is excreting when they're like um, doing something that causes their um, body a little bit more stress. Um, physical exam, this is a harsh systolic murmur at the left sternal border with a loud S2. There's nothing really big that sticks out about this murmur to me. Um, I really don't think that they'll kind of only give you the murmur and suspect and make you know. I really think they're going to kind of give you a patient scenario with that. Diagnosis, echo. You should... That's the theme. Echo for diagnosis. If you are going to get a chest x-ray, they often have this boot-shaped heart. So um, if you're given a chest x-ray, I would go through and just kind of Google the chest x-rays of Tetralogy of Fellow because I feel like there is a good chance that you are given a chest x-ray on the exam. They're not going to say boot-shaped heart, but one way to describe what a boot-shaped heart looks like is an upturned apex with concave pulmonary artery. So if you get a patient history and that's kind of how they're reading the chest x-ray, that's they're describing a boot-shaped heart. Treatment, surgery within the first 12 months of, of life, but this is also a condition that you want to keep that PDO, PDA open. So, coarctation of the aorta and tetralogy of fellow are the two conditions that you want to keep those that extra flow open. So, you're going to give the prostaglandins. Okay, ventricular septal defects. This is the most common congenital heart disease. So, I would know that. I feel like that's a big test question. So, what is the most common congenital heart disease? ventricular septal defect there is um multiple types or subtypes membranous is the most common type 
So I would just know that. There's like four other types. You have memberness, muscular. Memberness is the most common type. So signs and symptoms, they can be asymptomatic to having complete heart failure. Um, Every patient is slightly different. This condition, though, is associated with Eisenmenger syndrome. I don't know how to say it. It's E-I-S-E-N-M-E-N-G-E-R syndrome. The way I saw this described was hypoxemia caused by that right-to-left shunt. So Eisenmenger syndrome, think hypoxemia. Physical exam... You're going to see here a high-pitched hollow systolic murmur at the second to third intercostal left sternal broder, plus or minus a systolic thrill. So, hollow systolic. That is what should kind of key you into this murmur. High-pitched hollow systolic murmur. So, let's go back. The atrial septal defect, we see a wide fixed split S2 that doesn't change with respiration. You have the patent ductus arteriosus, PDA, is our machine-like murmur. Coarctation of the aorta, that's radiating to the back. Your um, ventricular septal defect, that's hollow systolic murmur. So another way to differentiate this from the PDA is PDA is a continuous murmur, not holosystolic. So PDA, continuous, VSD, holosystolic. Diagnosis is by echo and treatment. So 30 to 40% close on their own, but large shunts need to be surgically repaired by H2. Um... So a few ways that I kind of remember these murmurs um, that uh, may or may not help you and may be a stretch, but this is how I personally remember them. So the PDA or the patent ductus arteriosus, we said is that machine-like murmur. Um, I remember it. So like PDA also stands for public displays of affection. And I think of this as like if I see a someone or a couple have doing PDA, PDA in public, that it's so disgusting to me that I want to wash my eyeballs. So I'm going to put them in the washer, which is a machine. So PDA, I want to wash my eyes out. So it's the machine-like murmur. Coarctation. I think of someone twerking and like arching their back back to like twerk so coarctation so you're arcing your back the murmur is radiating to the back so those are the kind of two ways that i really remember those two um yeah and then just to recap vsd is hollow systolic murmur um So now we're going to go into the pediatric functional murmurs. So innocent murmurs are non-pathologic murmurs. They are usually soft. They're not associated with symptoms and they occur during systole. All diastolic murmurs are pathologic. So functional murmurs are only systolic. 
Okay, so the stills murmur is the most common. This is a musical systolic left lower sternal border. Um, it decreases when the patient stands or with Valsalva. This will be seen from two months to like early adolescent. Next is a cervical venous hum. So this is caused by turbulent blood from the jugular vein into the vena cava. This is a continuous murmur that decreases when the patient is laying down or with some light jugular compression. This can be found in like ages two to eight years old. And the third one is the pulmonary ejection murmur. So it's a mid-systolic at the second left intercostal space. So I could see this being a question of like, which one of these is a functional murmur? Which one of these is not a functional murmur? And you have to give the names. So I would just remember the names, stills murmur, cervical venous hum, and pulmonary ejection murmur. And one type, one thing that I want to note that was in some of the questions that I was going through that is kind of just like a random piece of information, a mother taking lithium during her pregnancy can lead to the congenital heart defect known as Epstein's anomaly. So I feel I would just remember that. So lithium equals Epstein's anomaly. And that's all for today. Well, for this episode.